What am I supposed to What's say? your favorite Fleetwood Mac song? Uh, probably Dream. Oh, no, The Chain. The Chain? The Chain. All right. Yeah. Or Dreams? Like, those no, were the, the those two, those two but... That's awesome. But The Chain, yeah. What's your favorite Fleetwood Mac song? The one that had the ocean spray cranberry juice. Dreams. Thank you. <laughs> What's your favorite Fleetwood Mac song? Oh, God. I'm so bad with names. I'd have to look at the list because I'm so do, bad. Do, 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 do. Anything? I'm so bad. Pick a lyric. Name any Fleetwood Mac song. I can't. <laughs> I'm so bad. <laughs> My favorite Fleetwood Mac song, of course, is Dreams. Hello. My favorite Fleetwood Mac song is Go Your Own Way. Hey. Long time listener, first time caller. Just wanted to give my input on my favorite Fleetwood Mac song. It's going to be Dreams by a long shot. No question. My favorite Fleetwood Mac song is The Chain. I would have to say my favorite Fleetwood Mac song is a tie between Little Lies and Rhiannon. That being said... I originally was going to say Edge of Seventeen, and then I realized that was just Stevie Nicks' original work, not actually the whole band. I asked approximately 20 people what their favorite Fleetwood Mac song was, or the first one that they could think of. Some of them I had record a voice clip that you've heard now, so I could give some validity to this collection. The theory I had been working on without explaining to the people, was that Rumors was going to contain 90% of all responses. I was only a little surprised by the support for Dreams, as I had a theory that the most likely song would be Go Your Own Way, because that's the song that I feel gets the most radio play, and would likely be the one chosen first. The overall theory was, was half-proven, Eight people couldn't find answers off the top of their head, but after I explained that it didn't really matter, and they could Google and refresh the memory, I was able to pull an answer from six of those eight. One person told me Songbird was their favorite. One said Little Lies was their favorite. Two people said Landslide. One said Never Going Back Again. Three told me that Go Your Own Way was the number one song. Five people said The Chain. And seven said Dreams. So here's that breakdown. 32% of people I asked said Dreams was the favorite. 23% said The Chain. Only 13% said that Go Your, that Go Your Own Way was the top song. And... Only 13% of people chose a song that wasn't from the Rumors album. But 100% of people who were able to give a song chose songs from an album that included the Rumors lineup. The core five iconic members stuck together through all the turmoil during the 12-year span between Landslide on the 1975 Fleetwood Mac White Album and Little Lies, from the 1987 
Tango in the Night. Following this album, Lindsey Buckingham split and left the band to focus on his own solo work. This gives some support to the thesis I explore in this episode. You're probably thinking, this episode is only a half an hour. What's up with that? Is Bradley giving up on this? Nope. This was one of the hardest episodes to get right, because I can get excited and go on a tangent, and I wanted to make sure of three things. First, the episode had to be interesting. Second, it had to be informative. And third, it had to have around the same runtime as the album, so that the listener could listen to the album in its entirety immediately after finishing the episode to experience the full majesty of it without using up more time than they would just listening to a regular podcast episode of mine. So that's why it's so weird. I also had to record on three separate occasions, so I didn't double-check consistency between the segments. There's a lot of numbers in this episode, and dates, and potentially information that sounds conflicting. I left out some information I found because... I didn't feel like it had any benefit placing it into the episode, but I fact-checked all of my notes before recording, so they are all true, even if they don't quite line up. Also, you'll notice it's Friday, and usually the podcast goes up on Thursday. But I deliberately wanted to switch to Friday uploads to give myself another editing day during the week. Just sneaking in here at the top of the podcast to let you know that I now have a Twitter and you can reach me there for this podcast purpose. I can be found at not perfect yet with a K. That's K-N-O-T perfect yet. The amount of work that goes into making a podcast is surprising. I can get away with four hours of work and put out less than an hour of content or I can spend 16 hours researching and writing and interviewing and editing and agonizing for an extra 30 minutes of content. This isn't a complaint. I am enjoying this project, but even I didn't realize how much work would go into it. Some days it feels like an insurmountable challenge, and every week after releasing that week's episode, I breathe a sigh of relief and completion. And then that boulder rolls back down the hill, and I gotta work on the next episode. I received some very nice feedback over the last couple of weeks. People who I hadn't interacted with lately, or very rarely even, have reached out to me and made very clear that they enjoy what I'm doing here. And knowing that people care enough to listen and care enough to reach out to me makes that boulder feel like it doesn't weigh quite as much. So thanks to you folks. You keep me going when I feel like I don't have the means. I truly appreciate every one of you. This episode is about um, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, And more specifically, this episode is about their 1977 album Rumors. Which I highly regard as the best album ever produced. Uh, The track listing is as follows. First we have secondhand news, then dreams, then never going back again, followed by don't stop, go your own way, songbird, the chain, 
You make love and fun. I don't want to know. Oh, Daddy. And finally, Gold Dust Woman. I uh, have said in the past to a couple of different people that one of the metrics of this being the greatest album of all time is that you can go up to whomever, for the most part. You can go up to whoever and say, hey, name a Fleetwood Mac song. And they go, yeah, I don't know any Fleetwood Mac songs. But you can play them every track off of this album. There's 11 tracks. And you can almost guarantee that even people on the street who don't really know who Fleetwood Mac is would recognize five of them. Half of them. Maybe better. Um, in practice, though, I know a lot of heathens, it turns out. And uh, my number is usually more around three or four, which isn't bad. But um, it's not nearly as good as I thought. Anyways, here's a... It's kind of a review. Kind of a... Horn tootin', I guess. Tootin' the horn of a album that has had its horn tooted more than uh, plenty of albums. It ranked like 7th on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time. So like, this album hasn't been panned. It doesn't need this. There's no reason for me to do this except that this podcast is about me and the things that I care about. And I care about this album because it makes me feel good. So here's a real boring episode about a really not boring album. Time to unwind with your headset. You're listening to Not Perfect Yet. So first things first, we have to know things about Fleetwood Mac. Um, Fleetwood Mac has a typical blues classic rock origin story. In 1965, John McVie entered into a band uh, with Eric Clapton, not consecutively, but joined a band that Eric Clapton was in. Uh, the Blues Breakers, led by John Mayall. In 1966, the next year, Peter Green joined as lead guitar, replacing Eric Clapton. And then in April of 1967, Mick Fleetwood joined on the drums. So from April to June in 1967, John Mayall's Blues Breakers included John Mayall, Peter Green, John McVie, and Mick Fleetwood. In... In June of that year, Peter Green left the band, intending to make, uh, to, to use the two of those guys as his thing. And so he named his project band Fleetwood Mac after Mick Fleetwood and John McVie. John McVie was like, nah, I'm cool. And then they did a couple of shows and he's like, you know what? Sure. Uh, I don't want to go... I don't want to stick around with these blues breakers anymore. I like the sound you're making here. And so that was that. In 1970, Christine Perfect joined the band. Uh, in 1970, Christine Perfect married John McVie and joined the band he was in, Fleetwood Mac. The band had just lost uh, Peter Green, 
to what is what is said to be like LSD. Um, he didn't die. Peter Green didn't die, but he had different ideas uh, brought on by drug use that didn't quite jive with what they were feeling for the band. So John McVie and McFleetwood continued on and replacing, semi-replacing um, Peter Green was John McVie's new wife, Christine McVie. Uh, she was a big fan of Fleetwood Mac, knew all the lyrics to the songs. She became the keyboardist of the group and another lead vocalist. And then in 1974, Fleetwood Mac moved to the United States. And when it, within a year, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham of their project called Buckingham Nicks joined the band, giving it their first album, Fleetwood Mac, as this group, Fleetwood Mac. The very next album was Rumors. And it's the greatest album of all time. Rumors has a length of 39 minutes and 43 seconds. There were four singles on it. The first one, released in 1976, Go Your Own Way. The second, Dreams, released in March of 1977. Don't Stop, in April of 1977. And You Make Love and Fun, released in September of 77. In 1975, uh, Fleetwood, Mac's Fleetwood Mac album, also known as the White Album, released to great success, reaching number one in the U.S. in 1976. The record's biggest single, Rhiannon, gave the band extensive radio exposure. Yeah, at the time, Fleetwood Mac's lineup consisted of guitarist and vocalist Lindsey Buckingham, drummer Mick Fleetwood, keyboards and vocalist Christine McVie, bass guitarist John McVie, and vocalist Stevie Nicks. After six months of non-stop touring, the McVies divorced, ending eight years of marriage. Buckingham and Nicks, who had joined the band just prior to the 75 album, were having an on-and-off relationship that led them to fight. Mick Fleetwood was dealing with issues of his own after discovering that his wife Jenny was having an affair with his best friend. So there's some turmoil surrounding this album. They release a banger album. They're like fighting amongst each other. They can't stand each other. Two of them hate two of them. And the last one's dealing with a divorce and being cheated on. It's just a mess, right? Uh, but they still just, they literally pumped out the absolute best album of all time. There's a very good reason that I feel like this album is the best of all time. And it's because I know so many of the songs and so many of the songs affect me because of their relationship with the things that I've seen them in, um, the general feeling I get from the stuff. So uh, it's not surprising to know that in 1978, this album won Album of the Year at the Grammys, uh, and it won Best Inter Best Selling International Album in 1978 in the Juno Awards. The Wikipedia page says this, Often considered Fleetwood Mac's magnum opus, Rumors has frequently been cited as one of the greatest albums of all time. 
In 2004, it was remastered and reissued with the addition of Silver Springs, which had been ex excluded from the original, and a bonus CD of outtakes from their recording sessions. In 2003, it was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. In 2018, it was selected for preservation in the National Recording Registry, being deemed culturally, historically, or artistically significant by the Library of Congress. So the album was met with, like, a lot of praise. I'm not going over anything that hasn't already been said. Uh, it's just an exceptional album. All songs on rumors concern personal, often troubled relationships. According to Christine McVie, the fact that the lyricists were focusing on the various separations became apparent to the band only in hindsight. You Make Loving Fun is about Christine's boyfriend, Fleetwood Mac's lighting director, who she dated after splitting from John. Stevie Nicks' Dreams details a breakup and has a hopeful message, while Buckingham's similar effort in Go Your Own Way is more pessimistic. After a short fling with a New England woman, he was expired to write Never Going Back Again, a song about the illusion of thinking that sadness will never occur again once content with life. The lines, been down one time, been down two times, refer to the lyricist's efforts when persuading the woman to give him a chance. Don't Stop, written by Christine McVie, is a song about optimism. She noted that Lindsay Buckingham helped her craft the verses because their personal sensibilities overlapped. McVie's next track, Songbird, features more introspective lyrics about nobody and everybody in the form of a little prayer. Oh Daddy, the last Christine McVie song on the album, was written about Mick Fleetwood and his wife Jenny Boyd, who had just got back together. The band's nickname for Fleetwood was The Big Daddy. McVie commented that the writing is slightly sarcastic and focuses on the drummer's direction for Fleetwood Mac, which always turned out to be right. Nix provided the final lines, And I can't walk away from you, baby, if I tried. Her own song, Gold Dust Woman, is inspired by Los Angeles and the hardship encountered in such a city. After struggling with the rock lifestyle, Nix became addicted to cocaine. The lyrics addressed her belief in keeping going. Uh, here's... Some stats. Stats about it. Uh, track listing. Side 1, you have Secondhand News, written by Lindsay Buckingham. Lead vocals by Buckingham. Length, 256. Dreams, written by Stevie Nicks. Leading vocals, Stevie Nicks. Length, 4 minutes, 18 seconds. Never Going Back Again, written by Lindsay Buckingham. Lead vocals, Lindsay Buckingham. 2 minutes, 14 seconds. Don't Stop. Written by Christine McVie. Lead vocals, Christine and Lindsay Buckingham. 313. Go Your Own Way. Written by Lindsay Buckingham. Vocals by Lindsay Buckingham. Backing vocals with uh, Stevie Nicks, I believe. Uh, 3 minutes, 43 seconds. Songbird. Written and performed, Christine McVie. 3 minutes, 20 seconds. Flip that tape over. And you got yourself on side two, The Chain, written by everyone, Lindsay Buckingham, Mick Fleetwood, Christine McVie, John McVie, and Stevie Nicks. Lead vocals, Buckingham, Christine, and Nicks. Length, 4 minutes, 30 seconds. You Make Love and Fun, written and lead led vocals, Christine McVie, 3 minutes, 31 seconds. I Don't Wanna Know, 
Written by Stevie Nicks. Vocals, Nicks and Buckingham. 3 minutes 15 seconds. Oh Daddy. Written and vocalized Christine McVie. 3 minutes 56 seconds. Gold Dust Woman. Written and performed Stevie Nicks. 4 minutes 56 seconds. So the first song in the album, Secondhand News, really comes crashing out the gates as soon as you press play. It's a brief and incredibly catchy opener written by Lindsay Buckingham and addressing his perception of his life, his love life, especially with regards to bandmate Stevie Nicks. They split up and he was bummed about it, but he's been hurt a lot before and so this shouldn't be any different. You move on and replace him? He's just going to stay down, at the bottom, where he's always been. My absolute favorite bit of this song is that the hook sounds like Buckingham showed up to the studio and forgot his guitar, but had the riff in his head, so he just belted out the line. Dreams, the second song on the album, has some of the most powerful lyrics uh, on the album. This line really stands out to me. Have you any dreams you'd like to sell? It's, it's, it's something. Rumor has it that Stevie Nicks was sick of sitting in the studio during a recording session and decided to take off to a room to work alone in a pit of pillows with a keyboard. Ten minutes later, pumped out the bones of this song. Two characters, one wanting freedom and the other refusing to hold them back, even though they feel like they would do better together and be lonely on their respective owns. This song, and the album itself, had a resurgence lately when a TikTok video of a native man on a longboard drinking cranberry juice jiving to this song went viral. It's a very chill vibe song, so it makes perfect sense that it would hook a whole new era of listeners, and I'm glad for it. This third song, Never Going Back Again, another Buckingham John. This one seems like a hopeful and sweet song about a new relationship that Buckingham had entered after the split with Nick's. This 2 minute and 14 second long song has 53 total words. To put that in perspective, I have now reached 53 words speaking about this song. A pair of two line verses and a three line chorus repeated once. It's gentle and lilting and sounds perfectly at home in a daytime folk festival type setting. It's hard to pick a favorite on this album, but this one's a serious contender. Track 4 don't stop. Sometimes you have to cut ties with the past and forget about how they might affect you. This one written by Christine McVie is her attempt at explaining that. Even though her and John had divorced, they could still look to the future and create wonderful things together and on their own. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Always look to the future and what you can accomplish rather than wallow in the problems of the past. Why not think about the times to come and not about the things you've done? 
Bill Clinton used this song as the theme for his presidential campaign in 1992, and when he was elected, the band's Rumors lineup reunited to perform at his inauguration. Track 5, Go Your Own Way, the song that everyone recognizes. <laughs> this song was written by Lindsey Buckingham and was directly about his split from Stevie Nicks. Unfortunately for her, she was required to sing the accompanying harmonies. So it's almost like a little nice little slap in the face from Buckingham. Hey, I wrote a song and I need you to sing it with me. Oh yeah, and it's about how you broke my heart and left for whoever the heck else. And oh, even worse, it's what most people are going to think about when they're asked to recall a song by our band. Sorry you have to live with this diss track forever. You can go your own way. <laughs> track 6, a Christine McVie joint, Songbird. Featuring Christine McVie, performed by Christine McVie. A simple and beautiful solo. She wrote the lyrics, sang it, and played the piano bits. A solid proof that she was integral to the band. Christine has said that this is a song for everybody, not written from her own point of view, but from an outsider's. Someone who cares so deeply about another, and how that feeling is universally understood. Apparently, the song was gifted to her in a dream. She woke up in the middle of the night with the song fully formed in her head, grabbed an electric keyboard and wrote it all down. 30 minutes, in and out, done. Track 7, The Chain. There is so much to say about The Chain. This song is widely used in television. It evokes a very powerful image. Um, sometimes a longing image. It's a very emotional song. This song was cobbled together from a bunch of solo bits that the band members had created individually over the nine months they were making this album, masterfully assembled by Lindsey Buckingham into what amounts to a hauntingly beautiful track. The lyrics deal with the tension between the artists. If you don't love me now, you will never love me again. Explains that there is a breakdown in the relationships, but the next lines... I can still hear you saying you would never break the chain. This shows there's still a tie that binds them, something stronger than the pushing away by the dissolving love. But what's even better than the lyrics and their hidden meanings is the fucking guitar and bass in this song. It is so emotionally jarring. Even when compared to the rest of the emotional songs, just packing this album full, this one just hits harder. Deeper. This is the best song on the album. The Chain is interesting on the album because it was the only song that was written by all five of them. Um, usually what they did is they would write a song and then bring it to the band and perform them. Fleetwood Mac's main writers, Lindsey Buckingham, Christine McVie, and Stevie Nicks, worked individually on songs but sometimes shared lyrics with each other. The Chain is the only track on which all members, including Mick Fleetwood and John McVie, collaborated. Track number eight, 
you make loving fun, we're going to get a four beat hi-hat tease and then crash. We're super into a whole ass song. This one written by Christine McVie about the guy she was seeing after her divorce from the bass player. Fitting then that this song has the grooviest bass line on the whole album. Just like, oh yeah, you want to go sleep with someone else? Listen to this. Uh, in the meantime, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham were having some pretty heated arguments while in session to record the backing vocals of this one. Their producer told reporters that as soon as the session tape started rolling, they harmonized, they nailed the vocals. As soon as tape cut, they'd go right back into bickering, calling each other all sorts of names. It's like tension and one-upmanship are the building blocks for top quality rock and roll. Track nine, I Don't Wanna Know. This song is a certified jam. You feel it in the lightness of the vocal melody and the jaunty guitar accompaniment. But honestly, I don't understand this song. I can't figure it out. Lyrically, it is so confusing, I have no idea what it's trying to sell me. Just listen to this. I don't want to know the reasons why. Love keeps right on walking on down the line. I don't want to stand between you and love. Honey, I just want you to feel fine. Finally, baby, the truth has come down now. Take a listen to your spirit. It's crying out loud, trying to believe. Oh, you say you love me, but you don't know. You got me rocking and reeling. Is it about an affair? Is this from the point of view from the external lover? who really just wants the internal lover to be happy, whether with them or their internal partner? That's kind of all I can wrangle. Track number 10, Oh Daddy, might be a song about acknowledging your own faults. It reads almost like an apology, but never quite makes it there. In fact, it feels almost like a manipulation. Like you're supposed to trust the words that they are saying just because they're sung sweetly and quietly. And the words are intended to inflate your ego and make you comfortable. Veiling the true deception that if you forgive, you will be made a fool again. Maybe I'm thinking too deeply about it. Maybe I'm a cynic. Track 11. Gold Dust Woman. This song sounds like a classic rock tune about how cocaine affects you. It's definitely lounge, bluesy feeling for the most part, but then the guitar picks up a bit at the end and really moves into a heavy, rocking blues piece. It's astonishing to me that so many incredible riffs have been compiled into the same album. I suppose a lot of drugs were used in the creation of this album. It was the 70s. Cocaine and opium were all over the place in rock and roll. I often find myself wondering about which bands participated and which uh, abstained. But the more I search, the more I'm convinced nobody's perfect. Whatever the case, uh, that closes out the album.
my digressions and diatribes about it, and the episode itself. Catch you on the flip-flop. I love you.